0: And with that, we have gotten through the Kansas City Chiefs preseason. The Green Bay Packers defeat the Chiefs twenty-seven to twenty, and finally, finally, we can turn our attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars Week One. Pete Sweeney here. I'm the editor in chief of ArrowheadPride.com. The great Jake Jay Binkley's
1: with me. Pete. It's always Big a pleasure. Jay. Always a pleasure. I'm glad to get preseason done. As we look forward, what's everybody saying? Jack Del Rio and all these people commenting. (laughs) Can the Chiefs handle the humidity in Jacksonville? Don't forget that hurricane's about to hit that area. It's something to watch. They're actually moving the Florida State game
0: uh, because of the hurricane. we, We had a text come in on the Arrowhead Pride tailgate prior to the Chiefs' last preseason game that was wondering whether or not the Chiefs would or, and the NFL would move that week one game to Arrowhead. That's certainly not happening. But whether or not it gets removed from the Jacksonville area remains to be seen. Speaking of the text line, text in all night 69306. The Protein House Eat With The Purpose text line will be taking your texts, and you can call in and talk to JNI 913-576-7610. J, I think the first thing that stuck out to me tonight was the fact that Reggie Ragland was playing. And we'll get into that with defensive film analyst Craig Stout. He's coming up in about 10 minutes. Uh, The bigger news and maybe the biggest news, too, was that Carlos Heights started the game, Marcus Marshall, in next. So it appears that Darwin Thompson
1: is your your running back, too, to start this season. And that's the way it should be. And you look at the, uh, what, over-under on yards. This year's, what, 825 for Damian Williams. And my thing is this about Damian Williams. I, I like Damian. He provides a spark, but again, he's got to do something. You know, he's 50 carries is the most carries he's had in the NFL, which isn't very much at all, Pete. He was effective for the Chiefs down the stretch in spurts. He had one carry. In the preseason, one carry, and everybody keeps talking about that one catch on the wheel route <laughs> from Patrick Mahomes. That's all he did you've been, in the preseason. You've been
0: off the Damian Williams as a starter bandwagon from jump. No, you I, didn't I, like, I've been on it. He is you you didn't the like that.
1: The, you didn't like the Chiefs named him the starter, though. I, mean, I No, I didn't like the fact that the Chiefs gave him the start. I didn't think he earned it. How can he earn it when 50 carries is the most he's ever had in the NFL? To me, this was a position to be battled about at training camp. Darwin Thompson has turned some heads. Not only that, he rectified rights from wrongs. He was blown up in practice up at St. Joe. We saw it. He wasn't great in pass protection there. Wasn't asked to do it a lot in Utah State. But then you know what he did against the Bengals in the first preseason game? Right. Decleating block. Pound for pound, the toughest guy on the Kansas City Chiefs, the way he's built, he can certainly be a better blocker. The Chiefs took Jamal Charles, who was not a good blocker, when he got from the Chiefs to a very serviceable blocker. By the time he left in Kansas City, I think Darwin Thompson's your third down back right now, and I think by mid season you start to see his carries up there. Like Damian Williams again, Damian Williams is not a workhorse; he needs time. He needs to stay healthy. I'll be I'll be interested in he if he can have back to
0: back three four games where you're you're maybe giving him the ball fifteen to twenty times for sure. I mean, because he needs to prove he can he can handle that work. He does.
1: And, and I don't think – I like Daryl Williams a lot. I like Darryl Williams. This guy was named, you know, Mr. LSU. And he played behind Fournette, played behind Darius Geis at LSU. He makes the team last year as an undrafted free agent. He hasn't flashed in training camp. I like Daryl Williams. I like him better than Carlos Hyde. I, going into the season, I didn't think that, that Carlos Hyde was actually going to make this team. I thought it was going to be a younger, fresher group that made this team. I'm not 100% sure the third running back is on the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I'm not. Yeah, Daryl Williams no, is not flash that, for me. Carlos Hyde hasn't. But I'm not 100% sure when cut down day is done, another running back is here instead of Darrell Williams that, and Carlos Hyde. That's a that's a good point. And don't forget that 53-man roster cut down
0: is coming at you on Saturday. We'll have you covered at hourheadpride.com. But sticking with the running backs for a second, Carlos Hyde finishes the night eight carries for 29 yards uh, he had a, a a couple, I think, good carries early where he was having, had some tough yards. But overall, he, he really actually even got outplayed by Marcus Marshall.
1: Here's Marcus Marshall 14, you know, from James carries for 59
0: yards. And, and he, I think he put on some good tape, and he looks like a guy who could make the
1: Chiefs practice squad. I, I agree with you on Marcus Marshall. Very productive player. Uh, more of a productive player in 17 than he was in 18 at James Madison. But again, you're talking about a good program, good to one AA team. We talk about one AA guys like Tano Passa, you know. You know, making this team, Colin Saunders, one double A. Uh, We're seeing more and more of it. But Marcus Marshall, like Rashard Davis, the Chiefs wide receiver, both played at James Madison, won a ring for him back in 2016. But Marcus Marshall is a practice squad guy. He looked better than Carlos Hyde. That is not a good sign for one. Carlos Hyde, as he gets cut, ends up on the Houston Texans.
0: And I think what you hope, too, if you were the Chiefs, and this has become more and more clear as the preseason has gone on, that Hyde wasn't going to be here. Uh, It was a veteran that came during the offseason. As you could see, as the preseason went on, Darwin Thompson got more and more of those opportunities. So what you, you hope for tonight was that Hyde put it on incredible tape. So a team like the Houston Texans, who loses Lamar Miller last week, turns it over to Duke Johnson and a bunch of unproven guys, Maybe may have some uh, motivation to call up Brett Veach and say, hey, uh, we need this player before he hits the open market. I just don't think that'll be the case. I think it's a clean cut. Uh, I do,
1: too. Darman Thompson runs with so much flash. You need flash at running back. I'll go back to Matt Breida from the San Francisco 49ers. When he had the ball in the preseason, did you just notice something different? He's so fast. He flashed. There was right. something special about him. He's a good running back, a good player, and he flashes. The guy's darn fast as well. well he goes by the cheetah, but he, we clearly know he's not the cheetah. Rita, th- they call him Rita the cheetah. And but, there was a little bit of back and forth last year. About but, that. but Darwin Thompson plays with the flash, the sizzle. Not only that, he's shown an incredible ability not to go down on the first hit. This is a good yards-after-contact type running back, and they need that. And he's been that guy. And he, you know, he when he was at Utah State, he leaped players. We saw him do the leap in the preseason. This is something he did in college. It's a guy with the chip on his shoulder. Uh, there's a few guys that I would say that have their head down and grind and want to get better. And he's the guy. Probably looks up there at BNME, the offensive coordinator, Dylan McCullough, the running back coach. But Darwin Thompson got better as we went through training camp. That's something we wanted to see at training camp. What running backs will step up? What wide receivers will step up? Definitely what corners will step up? I felt that St. Joe, here's the thing about football. There's always questions, but the one thing is you always get answers. <laughs> you always get answers That's true. when it comes to football. Very fluid game, as Andy Reid uh,
0: said last week. Again, the Green Bay Packers defeat, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 27-20. to The Chiefs finished the preseason 1-3. and three. The Chiefs had a couple touchdowns in this game. Jody Fortson from Kyle Shermer. Nick Kaiser from Chase Litton. Those are your two touchdowns. Harrison Butker with h But, again,
1: preseason is a lie. 2010 Bears yeah, didn't not- win a game. They went to uh, the playoffs that year. The 8 Lions went 4-0 and <laughs> yeah. in the preseason. I don't think, I don't think I'm – I don't mean I'm not and worried they about the and 16 and The Raiders are 3-0. and Now, they're not looking so good against Seattle tonight. Might go uh, 3-1 and in the preseason. We've all seen the Raiders. We've seen the hard knocks. The Raiders are not a three and O team right now. <laughs> if you want to talk about the preseason again,
0: reminding you the number nine one three five seven six seven six ten. You could also text in on the Protein House Eat with a Purpose text line six nine three zero six. So the producer of the midday show, or I should say the afternoon show, the drive. Brandon Kylie had a nice tweet early on tonight. Here's a nice list of notable Chiefs players he hadn't seen early on in the game. Mahomes. Damian Williams, Darwin Thompson, Darryl Williams, Tyreek, Sammy, Demarcus Robinson, Kelsey and Blake Bell, the starting O-line, the starting D-line plus Tano and Agba, Anthony Hitchens, uh, Damian Wilson, Darren Lee, Fuller, Breland, and Ward, uh, Matthew Sorensen, and and Thornhill. There were some guys that mixed in on special teams. The interesting thing about this list is he had Saunders, McKenzie, Miller, and Wade originally on the list, but they they come in in the second half. So the, now we're talking the offensive lineman, Khalil McKenzie, Colin Saunders, the third-round pick, uh, who hasn't really, as you said earlier, Jay, flashed um, this preseason. And then I think the biggest surprise or, or one of the bigger surprises of the night, Herb Miller and DeMontre Wade coming in in the fourth quarter, not good for
1: the cornerback position of the Kansas City Chiefs. No, because right now it's Breland Fuller, Ward, Makes the team. Rashad Fenton will make the team as a draft pick. I think he makes the team. Mark Fields, clearly Andy Reid wasn't happy with him. I liked him. When what, he a wild,
0: what a wild thing that happened during the preseason telecast. Uh, KCTV5 has the preseason for the Chiefs. And during a commercial break, Todd, Todd McShay, who's working for the Chiefs as this analyst uh, during the preseason, his mic was picked up. And on his mic, he had just gotten out of a conversation with Andy Reid headed into halftime, and you hear him telling the rest of the group, hey, listen, just talk to Andy Reid, really animated, which is a good thing, I know what he means, because sometimes we get monotone Andy Reid during the week, but he was very animated, and he says, trust me, it doesn't look like 26, meaning Mark Fields is making this roster.
1: Here's the thing about Mark Fields. I had him mocked a lot to the Chiefs in the seventh round, why he's got exceptional speed. He's got 4.37 speed and 4.37 plays. Not only that, he had less than a thousand snaps at Clemson. So you think, see what Dabo Sweeney, and I heard he had problems with the coaching staff when he was at Clemson. He might have some problems here in Kansas City, from what I've heard. Very productive player. He actually played the national title game against Alabama last year. But I think this opens the door for Herb Miller, DeMontre Wade. One of the, both of them aren't going to make the team. But even but it's the- going to be one of them, Herb Miller or DeMontre Wade in that marked field spot. Because I don't think Fields I think Fields makes the practice squad at this point, to be honest with you. And I don't think you have to worry about him being picked up on a 53. What's tough, I
0: think, about just the cornerback room is, okay, you feel all right about Breland. I think you feel okay about Ward. You feel probably a little bit more than okay about Fuller, given he has the experience and has proven to be an elite player, at least at one time before. If one of these guys gets hurt, I mean, this is the NFL. People get hurt all the time. You are in deep trouble with either
1: Wade um, or Herb Miller. Well, you're hurting until after week four. Week five, Mo Claiborne can come back. But I will caution this. Seems to be a lot of people talking about, well, you know, let's get through four weeks, and then we get Morris Claiborne. My question is this, O.P. When you're suspended, you have to stay away from the facility. So he's not there at practice. He's got to stay away. He missed most of training camp. Do we actually think Mo Claiborne will be ready to go? NFL ready to go. NFL week five ready to go when really things kick in the gear in the National Football League? I don't. I, I don't think you see the best of Morris Claiborne, meaning the best is an average cornerback at best. I don't think you see that to week seven or eight. So to say, well, week five, you get Morris Claiborne, that's fine. He'll get limited snaps. But to actually expect him to make an impact, I would earmark halfway through the season. You know what? Patrick Peterson, when he comes back for the Cardinals, going to face the same thing. I'm sorry. When you're not playing the first month in the NFL, things change. That is tough on the body to come right back and acclimate yourself. No,
0: and, and I think you make a great point. But even as you're watching this game tonight, so Mo Claiborne gets to start uh, alongside Mark Field. And then it's and, the last thing and, to see. And him. Rashad Fenton in, in the slot there. Fenton has been the backup for Fuller, uh, you know, since training camp began under Spags. But what's interesting is feels, yes, athletic, but he's grabbing. He's taking penalties. And then you have Mo Claiborne just working with the diving pass breakup in the end zone. And for me, at least watching that, it was a breath of fresh air. The fact that he can't play until week five, can't be around a facility, that that's a, that's a killer because he actually looks like a viable cornerback. And so I wonder, is there anything he can do? to make sure he's as ready as possible when week five rolls
1: around. He looked viable without a pass rush. Again, put Chris Jones in. Put put Frank Clark in. Put those guys. It makes the cornerback's job easier. And the fact that the Green Bay Packers didn't have a ton of success throwing the football tonight. I don't know, 101 yards throwing for the Packers overall tonight. But I think we sit and we wait as far as the cornerback. I still think the corners are weak. I still think the tight end position is weak behind Travis Kelsey. When you want to talk about who's the most valuable player on offense besides Patrick Mahomes, you would have to say Kelsey. I think Hill's the most explosive player on the team, but they still have capable wide receivers to win games. If Kelsey goes down at the tight end position, there's a Grand canyon size gap (laughs) between Travis Kelsey and Blake Bell. Blake Bell is your tight end number two. I think Nick Kaiser has made an emphasis. He'll be tight end three. I think they liked Deion Yelder. But Deion Yelder is hurting himself by being hurt. I have a little bit
0: of a hot answer for you on that one when you talk about Travis Kelsey, and I agree. You know, I'm getting a little cute here, and I understand that. But I was watching that second-team O-line tonight, and I was watching Kyle Shermer take hits. The most important players on this roster after Patrick Mahomes might be Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz because I do not want to be having Cam Irving coming in the game and Andrew Wiley sliding there or Cam Irving being there. Yes, we have our complaints about Eric Fisher. We like Mitch Schwartz more. Of course we do. It's an all-pro. But at the same time, they need to be healthy because
1: Mahomes goes down, the season's over. I think everybody knows. And I that. think the offensive line is under-talked about. Left tackle, to me, is one of the top four positions on the team. Quarterback, pass rusher, shut down a corner in left tackle. And Eric Fisher was a big talking point in this town the last couple pre preseasons. Is he going to be a bust or is he going right. to be serviceable? We don't talk about Fisher anymore. And not only that, you have to be a good blocker to play for Andy Reid. That's why Blake Bell, I think, makes this team is a tight end. He was number 11 in pro football focus last year among all tight ends in the NFL in blocking, sixth in the AFC. That plays. The hands, <laughs> I'll, I'll say, a little bit better than Demetrius Harris. Right. But Blake Bell's the type of guy, too, to make that catch when you're not expecting him to. When Kelsey's block, <laughs> Kind of like block,
0: Demetrius Harris. Like
1: Demetrius Harris. I do feel he's a better blocker than Demetrius Harris, and I believe he's got better hands.
0: Joining us right now to talk a little bit about the defensive surprises we saw tonight is defensive film analyst Craig Stout. Now, Jay, I'll let you know that Craig told me on the Arrowhead Pride tailgate that he'd be being, drinking scotch, so I don't know what kind of version we're going to. You all right, Craig, to, to do this interview?
2: Oh, I'm absolutely one hundred percent What's great. he doing drinking Scotch doing tonight?
0: I think it's celebrating so, and going into the You're like- a beer guy stout <laughs> at Barley Hop.
2: Named Barley and I have Scotch. An everything guy think. I, I drink a little bit of everything. It's not just beer for me. I, I like to spread it around a little
0: bit. <laughs> well, he he also likes to spread it around on the internet and I'm talking about his defensive film analyst. You're actually going to be able to check out his instant breakdown coming up soon on arrowheadpride.com. That should, that should post within moments here. And I think one of the bigger questions we had about this game, Craig, is why Reggie Ragland was in the game, and you appear to have the explanation.
2: I, Reggie Ragland, during this preseason, got moved from the Mike linebacker role to the Sam linebacker role. We saw him early on in the preseason playing with the second team as the Sam linebacker. So Steve Spagnuolo obviously saw something that he liked, especially with Damian Wilson. Damian Wilson's been playing a little bit of the Will linebacker as well, but he saw something he liked out of Reggie Ragland as the Sam linebacker. And since that early game there in the preseason, Ragland's been getting reps later and later into the game as the Sam linebacker. He's still starting. He is still the starting linebacker with Anthony Hitchens and with Damian Wilson, but because he doesn't have a ton of reps at a professional level coming off of the edge, having to cover out in the flats as often as he does. I mean, he's a 3-4 inside linebacker that's now being asked to play a 4-3 under Sam or a 4-3 over Sam, or he's on the line of scrimmage having to rush the passer off of the edge. So I just think that they're getting... More reps for Reggie Ragland. And then on top of that, they don't really have anybody else that was active tonight that can play that role. Jeremiah Atocho can kind of play that role a little bit. He got a few snaps after Reggie Ragland left the game, but they mostly went with their nickel defense after that I just think this is a case of Steve Spagnuolo trying to get Reggie Ragland as many live reps as possible at the same position.
1: Reggie played that inside position at Alabama with Nick Saban. If you went in right now, what are you saying in Jacksonville? You put Anthony Hitchens at will, Damian Wilson at Sam, Reggie Ragland as middle, or are you flip-flopping Ragland and Hitchens?
2: You know what? About three weeks ago, I think that Reggie Ragland plays the mic, because Reggie Ragland can definitely play that Mike linebacker role. I had questions about him as the Sam. I think now we may see a lot more mixing and matching between those three guys. We may see a little more Anthony Hitchens at the mic. We may see a little bit of Damian Wilson at the will. We may see Reggie Ragland at the mic with Anthony Hitchens at the will and Damian Wilson as the Sam. I'm very curious because Steve Spagnuolo mixed and matched those guys all throughout this preseason. Even in nickel looks, we got to see Darren Lee next to Anthony Hitchens. We got to see Daniel Wilson next to Anthony Hitchens. We got to see Reggie Raglin next to Ben Neiman. There were all kinds of looks that we got to see. I'm not sure exactly what Spagnuolo is going to do but I do know it's going to be unpredictable.
0: One thing Patrick Mahomes cited this preseason was just how different each day the defense looked, and you'd imagine with this versatility where you can mix and match positions, mix and match players, keep everyone fresh with the rotation. I mean, you got to feel at least pretty good about the defense with that fact alone, whether they perform
2: or not, I'd imagine. Absolutely. That's the type of thing that can confuse or maybe give different looks to experienced quarterbacks. You can kind of fool some younger quarterbacks with some schematic things or things like that, but if you're not putting everything on tape or you are literally putting everything on tape, <laughs> these, these older quarterbacks that are good at what they do, it's going to give them that extra beat that they have to take. And as we've seen this preseason, the strength of this defense is this defensive line, and they've gotten after the quarterback really well. If you're forcing some of these quarterbacks to have to take that extra step or that extra beat and identify where these guys are going and where they're going to be, especially with a versatile skill set on that second level, that's a big, big, big benefit for that defensive line.
1: Can Jeremiah Tatchu fill in at the defensive end or just linebacker? He seems like the type that can do both.
2: He can absolutely do both. We saw today what it looks like when a player that deserves to be on an NFL roster plays an entire game at preseason week four. <laughs> Jerry Otochu looks like a player that needs to be on an NFL roster. He may have very well played his way at, onto like a ninth defensive lineman or a sixth linebacker from this game alone. He's got the versatility to back up the Sam role. He's got some pass rushing juice off the edge. And his motor didn't quit. He was still chasing guys down in the fourth quarter. He played almost every single defensive snap today. That's something as a defensive coordinator that you are looking for out of guys to kind of round out the bottom of your roster because you know that you can put them in and that you're not going to suffer for lack of effort, lack of trying. And then, again, that versatility is an absolute key in this.
1: Season. Especially with Bradland Speaks injury. Right. I mean we got to think, you know, he's the guy that can can be and fill that role. Especially I think that if, injury was good for him. Especially if they
0: IR him. And, and you look and, and I have a, a pronunciation guide in my hands for everybody right now. Atauchu. uh Jerry Atauchu. He had eight combined tackles, it's Jeremiah. <laughs> two 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 sacks, a uh, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. Uh so an impressive night. Um, And I I look at him and I wonder, Craig, Okay, if he's making this team, is he taking another defender slot or do you think maybe we could see now in the 53 roster, of course, there's three specialists. They keep 26 defenders and maybe 24 offensive players. Like, how do you think that shapes out if they end up keeping this guy?
2: Well, I do think that we may have seen the last of Dorian O'Daniel on this roster tonight. I realize that may be a little bit of a hot take, but Dorian O'Daniel also played all night long and really was not around the ball, really didn't look that great in coverage. It's kind of been par for the course this entire preseason. He's been buried on the depth chart and really hasn't made his bones playing against lesser competition. So if they had kind of Dorian O'Daniel earmarked or a sixth linebacker spot, I think maybe that Jerry Atauchu took it today. Or, or, like you brought up, Demontre Wade and Herb Miller played at the very end of this game. That was a shocker. Those are two guys that ran with the first team this preseason at cornerback. If the Chiefs decide that they're going to try and pick up maybe another corner off the cut list, and just roll with maybe four guys or five guys here at, on the fifty-three man roster that might open some room up for another guy.
0: Craig, right now I've just received word uh, from my deputy editor John Dixon. Your Insta breakdown is now available to be read at ArrowheadPride.com. So check out that. I, I want to ask you one more question before we get you out of here and let you go into your scotch or beer slumber, as you know Jay's getting mad over here. Uh, Mo Claiborne and and Mark Fields, they start the game. Were you surprised to see Herb Miller and DeMontre Wade finish the game, and and what does it all mean in your estimation?
2: Honestly, I think that that means that DeMontre Wade and Herb Miller are probably on the outside looking in on this roster. I think they wanted to give Mark Fields some serious run. He, like Bank, I really liked Mark Fields coming out. He's got all the talent in the world, even though he didn't necessarily show it today. But he didn't necessarily get along with coaching staff, and he didn't really necessarily get along with teammates at Clemson. I think we saw kind of everything avalanched a little bit today. He had an awful, awful game. And, you know, Todd McShay saying that he's going to get cut on the sideline. I think he's out. Rashad Fenton is in as the backup nickel. Yeah. But I think that Mo Claiborne is maybe the fifth corner in that grouping, and then you're talking about if they are keeping six, it's between Herb Miller and Demontre Wade. I'm not sure they're keeping six.
0: Right, and, and don't forget, and and Todd McShay referred to this on the telecast. You have about 1,200 free players as of Saturday, so you could keep four cornerbacks on this team. You know, of course. Uh, you have Mo Claiborne going to the sp- suspension list and you have Rashad Fenton there, so the number's four, and then maybe figure it out with a veteran that gets released or someone else, the younger player, that maybe you had think has, has upside that becomes available or maybe even a trade, like we saw for Trivarius Ward.
2: Absolutely. That's what I would be on the lookout for the next couple of days. Before the end of this game, I would have said that maybe Hurd Miller, because he'd been the front runner recently, running with the ones, was probably going to be that last corner on the roster. Now with him playing at the end of this game, I'm honestly not sure that he makes the roster.
0: That's defensive film analyst Craig Stout. Again, you could check his instant breakdown of preseason game four right now at ourheadpride.com. Craig, have a good night, brother.
1: Thanks. Have a good night, guys. And, and what Craig said about Dorian O'Daniel this surprises me a little bit. He was, believe it or not, you know how Pro Football Focus is—they grade college football now. When Dorian O'Daniel came out in 2018, the third round. He was the highest graded player on the Clemson defense. And we saw Clemson all over the draft this year, including Cleveland Farrell going early in the first round <laughs> to the Oakland Raiders. 2018, he was the highest graded player at Clemson on defense. What's happened to him in the pros? I don't know. Yeah. But you do make mistakes in the draft and you have to move on. Now, Colin Saunders has not impressed me at this point. Here was a guy, we got to remember, when you're taking, It's like Tano Passanio, when you're taking one A guys, it takes a couple of years to get acclimated. You almost have to put a red shirt on him at first. A lot of times, FCS guys just aren't ready to step in. Outside the Senior Bowl, when he was able to go against FBS competition, that's where his star really started to shine. But again, I've never thought the Chiefs were in a place to red I don't think they've got to that point where they registered like they registered Tano for a couple of years. And Khalil. And Khalil Khalil makes no sense to me when you switch sides of the ball. Um, I'm very surprised the Chiefs are in the redshirt mode like they are because, to me, they're not a team to redshirt. They're a team to win a title. I mean, you have the best quarterback, young
0: quarterback, 23 years old, MVP, this is the year you have to do it. I, I agree. You use every roster spot. I thought it was a travesty last year that they ended up using 51 spots with Khalil McKenzie redshirting and then Eric Berry being a complete waste. Again, we don't have to get into that. That's neither here nor there. We're going to get into more of this preseason game. The Packers defeating the Chiefs 27-20. Uh, we'll be right back with the Arrowhead Pride post-game show.
1: Back to the Arrowhead
0: Pride post-game show. Here's Pete Sweeney and Jay Binkley. Welcome back in to... The Arrowhead Pride postgame show, preseason game four, is now come and gone. The Packers defeating your Kansas City Chiefs 27-20. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, here with Jay Binkley and Julio Sanchez behind the glass, pushing all the right buttons. And, and Jay, uh, we just talked to our defensive film analyst at Arrowhead Pride, Craig Stout, kind of explained what's been going on with Reggie Ragland. And I think for a change, the big takeaway I had was uh, it actually was a good thing that Ragland was in the game because he was able to play a number of different positions, might have actually improved his value, uh, which which was, I don't know, a 100% guarantee. A lot of people expected Ragland to make the team, but really, I think improving his value in the eyes of the coaching staff.
1: Well, he started as a Sam linebacker, and the biggest question was, how's Reggie going to fit into this defense? It's not the same defense. They ran at Alabama. Rex Ryan was the head coach of the Bills when they selected Reggie Ragland. Right. And he's a 3-4 inside linebacker. Rex Ryan gets canned. They switch defenses to the 4-3. It made a lot of sense for them to trade to the Chiefs that ran the 3-4. That's where Reggie Ragland is acclimated at playing in the 3-4. Now, new defensive scheme. Give him a look at the Sam linebacker. And once in a while, we will see guys play in the fourth preseason game, and I don't think it's because they're on the bubble or not. I think it's just getting used to a new position. You get, right. you get, basically, you get the weekend off, then you got Jacksonville, but to see other guys, it's like the Chiefs experimented with Cam Irving at left hat, left guard last week, and seeing Wiley. Yeah,
0: there was a little bit of a freak of the out there for position. sure. And, and I, I, you know, I definitely was among them with the offensive line, but you're right. I mean, if you are trying new things out, Andy Reid has said it with Mahomes try and air the ball out because if you throw an interception, they don't count. I think the same thing for Ragland getting time in and then Cam Irving in there.
1: I'm not a huge fan of current Cam Irving. Pete, I don't know if you You're know not know a big Cam not. Irving guy. I'm not, not because it leads me to this. Take take a listen to this. This is Cam Irving in Cleveland. <laughs> take a listen to this and tell me, tell me your opinion. This is Cam Irving in Cleveland in training camp when he's talking to the media in Cle- Keep in mind, Cam Irving was the center in Cleveland when guess who started for him when he got hurt? Austin Ryder. Austin
0: Ryder. All Austin comes Ryder. Back around. Jack.
1: Torn his ACL. Again, life's full circle. Here's Cam Irving about playing center. He says he's a tackle. Well, he's playing guard here. I was happy being able to play football, but I'm definitely more comfortable
0: and happy playing a tackle. Yes. What do you like better about it? Uh, you don't have to tell everybody else what to do. You communicate with everybody. Make sure you on the <laughs> same page, but guys aren't relying on me to tell them what to do.
1: I did. Not like when he said that. I still don't like when he said that. I like guys that say, put me wherever. I guess maybe I'm spoiled by Whit Merrifield on the Royals. You'll be (laughs) second base, outfield. Where do you want me to play? I'll play at Escobar last year. You'll play shortstop. You'll play third. You'll play the outfield. I like guys that are willing to play all over the place. And I think Brett Veach, and I'll make this comparison to the Royals. Bear with me for just a second. Okay. The ability and, and we're entering the twilight zone. Now you know, can pinpoint. twilight zone it all you want. <laughs> but when a GM brings a guy in because he trusts the coaching staff. It's like Homer Bailey. Terrible year last year. Yeah. We'll put him with Cal Eldred and see if he can elevate him. They used to do sure. the same thing with with Dave Idle. You know, bring in Ryan Madsen, see if he, he's been out of baseball, see if he can turn him around. It's the trust in the coaching staff by find, finding former first round picks and trying to make something out of them. And we've seen this on defense. Alex Okafor, Emmanuel Ogba, you know, are two examples. Our coaching staff can bring their level up. Get 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 uh, Emmanuel Ogba back to where he was at Oklahoma State. Put him on that defensive line. Keep in mind he was the 32nd pick in the draft, which technically is the first rounder, but the Patriots didn't have one that year, right. Because of Deflate Gate. And it's incredible
0: that they still was lost a
1: great pass right. rusher in college. Okafor was a tremendous pass rusher at Texas. Bring them back to the level. It seems to me that Brett Veach has a lot of trust in his coaching staff to coach players up. It's a big reason why I think they bring Cleo McKenzie in, let him be with Andy Heck, and see what he can do. And I think they trust Mike Kafka, you know, at the quarterback coach, to get Matt Moore, right? Uh, which Andy Reid said he likes a veteran. He prefers the veteran. And I understand this because when Nick Foles is available that one year, he was brought in right away with the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid is credited for keeping his career going. But I think it's that trust factor that the GM has of looking at these maybe failed first- or second-round picks, put him on our coaching staff with our guys, let them coach him up. But to me, the moves Veach has made shows a lot of trust in his coaching staff to elevate these guys to a different level. Find, just like Spags is doing, what are you good at doing? Like Breland, he said you're staying inside. No question about it. We have a position for you. He has simplified this defense, and he's looked around. And D Ford, when 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 Spaggs was asked about him, back when he was still a member of the Chiefs, they didn't know. He says, well, we were talking to the linebacker coach, Matt House. We're talking to Brendan Daly, defensive line coach. He needs to find a fit to where you fit in. You don't fit in, you're gone. But I think there's a tremendous lot. amount of respect from Brett Veach to this coaching staff to elevate guys.
0: I think for sure. I think he's, he's in lockstep with the coaching staff, and that's a little bit of a difference with – Veach compared to, to John Dorsey. I think there were a, a little bit of miscommunication, you could say, or just a separation of powers, probably a better way to put it. I think with Veach, for sure, he brings a guy in and he, and he feels, okay, the coach can get the most out of him. I think sometimes it's to a fault. Like I think sometimes he trusts his original uh, thought process and notes from when they uh, were draftable in, in their original NFL draft. And 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 what I will say, though, is sometimes that works out, and then sometimes it doesn't. But I think you nailed it on the head when you were talking about Spagnolo coming in and where he didn't see a fit for D. Ford and then go get a guy like Frank Clark, who was the target all along because they were in lockstep with the coaching staff. It made new life for a guy like Tano Like Tano Passigno, not seeing him today. That is a marvelous, marvelous transition from what we thought we would see at the beginning of this preseason. Tremendous we athlete.
1: Might... Tremendous athlete Villanova, only the second Villanova defensive player taken since Howie Long. It just doesn't happen, and that's a really good FCS team. But he was the conference player of the year, CAA conference player of the year at Villanova. Right. This guy's got the talent. It just didn't translate right away. And I think there's this misconception, Division II guys, 1AA guys can step right in. Hey, it's a different in speed. It's a difference in speed. There's a reason why when high school kids, are playing at the Division two level, FCS or Division one? It's about speed. Now, sometimes guys work out like DeAndre Hall that played at Blue Springs, Xavier Williams. These are Northern Iowa guys. Northern Iowa seems to take the fringe guys <laughs> that should be Division one. They've got a history of doing that, but it is not the same transition for NFL speed and playing at speed against players. Let's face it. Most of there's two hundred fifty six to two hundred fifty eight players selected in the draft. It depends on comp picks 254 to 258 and most of those are division one most of those players come out of division one some one double a guys flash division two guys have flashed in the past we've seen it and that's what the chiefs are trying with some of these tight ends Valdosta state james madison that the, the richard davis and in marshall you saw tonight yeah one double a team but national champions nonetheless james madison back in 2017 they broke that streak of North Dakota State, but it is a major speed difference from the talent you're playing against because the talent you're playing against is not NFL talent. It are guys that are accountants right now, instead of, or state farm agents, instead of NFL players. <laughs> That's a
0: good point. You can reach us tonight on the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. Wearing 6- those khakis. 69306. You can also call us. If you really want to talk to Jay and I, you can hear fi- how fired up Jay is. He's got a bang energy drink. 913 oh, i got more than one, Pete. 7 six ten. We actually have a text in from 785. Brett Veach is going to bring in a defensive back or two to make the 53. Herb and DeMontre Wade are not the answer.
1: I think we tend to agree at this point, right? Yeah, they're looking all around. It's just like, you know, the Chiefs have had scouts. All over St. John. They're not supposed to be there, but, you know, they're probably wearing a Mahomes jersey and everything else. And if I know Bill Belichick and
0: all the things oh, that I've heard yeah. about him, These guys he got... says, you go up to St. Joseph and you wear Mahomes. all kinds of Chiefs gear. Guaranteed. Put it on the New England
1: books, baby. But the Chiefs are going to be <laughs> releasing players that are capable. The Chiefs have – it's kind of like what John Schneider built up in, in Seattle, and I use this reference all the time, Pete – They actually send flyers out to undrafted free agent potential guys. It's why they're so good. Where did John Dorsey get most of his talent? He got it off the scrap heap on who John Schneider cut. They had so much talent there. See who the Seahawks cut. Bring him in. Give him a shot and see what they can do. But I actually feel the Chiefs have serviceable guys. Jack Fox, the punter, for example, is not a guy you're going to hide on the practice squad. He'll end up on the 53 Somewhere It's the Harrison Butker well, that story of punter to me is Jack Fox. But the wide receiver position, who are you going to cut? There are certain players on this team, certain position groups, that I think get looked at a lot from other teams. The Chiefs are a team that I would scout because they actually have decisions to make.
0: Right. Jay and I will flesh out the 53-man roster coming up in the second hour of this Arrowhead Pride post-game show. The Packers, of course, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 27 27- to 20 in their fourth and final preseason game. DeAnthony Thomas was in the mix. I think that was nice to see a 20-yard catch. We talked about Tauchu and how if there's anyone who have made the roster by tonight's game, it's probably Jeremiah Tauchu. A huge night, um, again, playing two different positions, and that'll only help him. How did you feel, Jay, when it came to the Kyle Shermer versus Chase Litton uh, battle? They, have, they received all the time tonight.
1: Matt Moore not quite
0: ready. I like Kyle Shermer better.
1: I just like Shermer better than what I see uh, from Chase Litton. And I know Chase Litton has the experience from being here. but There's something about Kyle Shermer I like. it's a fact, little more polished, well, doesn't Litton he? Litton played at Marshall. He played good talent. Shermer played in the SEC. Yeah. And he's going against NFL defensive backs left and right. I, I like Kyle Shermer. Now, do I like them as the backup for Patrick Mahomes? No. Do I? Are they better than Matt Moore? That's the question. Andy Reid goes right. with the guy that's currently coaching high school football Matt Moore was in the mix when they took, when they ended up taking um, um, Chad Henney. Andy Reid says, well, what did Andy Reid say this week? He said it's because of the veteran leadership is why they ended up taking Matt Moore. But, yeah, I like Shermer to be the third string again. I don't think it really matters, but it does matter to Andy Reid. He said this and why he brought in Matt Moore. You know, I like to have that veteran guy in there uh, just – I've always kind of done that. I've liked to have either a veteran starting and then a young guy, or a young guy starting and then a veteran guy backing him up. So, um, yeah, that's this was an easy one. Hey, here's the deal, Pete. We talk about that gap between Travis Kelsey and tight end too. The biggest gap on this team, without question, without any doubt, is between Pat Mahomes and the backup. Right. I mean that is an insurmountable gap. It's Can historic. you win games? Because Matt Moore was been out of football. Well, what makes it you're interesting. coaching high school and you're coming back for an NFL team. I actually felt better about Chad Henney than Matt Moore.
0: Well, what makes it interesting is just Chad henney has been here. I don't know if Matt Moore is going to be ready to go in Week One if he needs to. It, it makes an interesting predicament as you face this 53 man roster cut down. On Saturday because you almost have to keep three for the first week or two like are you really confident enough in Matt Moore learning the offense to the point that he'll be ready if he needs to against the Jaguars how can how could you be given the complexity of Andy Reid's offense I think that's what's weird about it and that has that has to factor into as you make these 53 man roster predictions okay will they keep three quarterbacks will Henny it, why like why hasn't Henny been named to the IR yet? What's going on with that? Do they think he can be on the IR to return? Because then he needs to be on the initial roster. Then are you keeping four, or do you feel comfortable saying, okay, you have Litten and um, excuse me, Shermer, Lytton and Shermer? You go to the practice squad, and then you have to kind of wait and see if they they can be called up. It's just a very uncomfortable situation when it comes to the backup. Patrick Mahomes, I think we've seen in this preseason, he has that Alex Smith thing. There were two moments where you got a little bit of worried when uh, he tried to score a touchdown uh, early on against the Cincinnati Bengals, and there was that moment against the 49ers. That being said, I think he makes the right decision more often than not, and I think especially in the early part of this season when you really have no safety net,
1: you got to be even more careful if you're the MVP. Well, and Kyle Shermer, you go back to what he did last year at Vanderbilt, 62.6% completions, 3,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, six picks. And played in that league, that's impressive to me. But, again, you're right, Pete. Th- this offense, if Andy Reid would have to have Kyle Sir- or not Kyle Shermer, but that more, you got to dumb down the playbook. You just have to. Right. Because you're so used to a guy that can make every single play on every single – You make your playmakers it, play. It's the interpretation of how you look at the playbook. Nick Foles in that Indianapolis game, you remember where uh, Alex Smith goes out? They thought he had a concussion. Yes, they said yes. he didn't.
0: And Foles comes in.
1: And Foles comes in, throws downfield down. Field down and Alex Smith did throw down the field more um, the the next year, but that one year where Foles came in, it was the same playbook. It was the interpretation of the plays. Instead of checking down, he went for it, went downfield, kind of came back to reality that next week against Jacksonville. But that is a monumental gap. When you talk about big gaps, tight end, I guess would be number two behind the quarterback. Yeah, I I I I think so. I,
0: I think you'd have to. Th- You'd have to agree with that. I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone is touching Tyreek Hill, but at least Sammy Watkins is a viable wide receiver one. You don't have a guy like Travis Kelsey that can even come close to him on this team. The guys that stood out in tonight's game, we already went on and on about a and how he probably has made this team. I thought Jody Fortson had a nice night, uh, two big catches, uh, one down the sideline. Got an unsportsmanlike penalty, but ended up getting the touchdown on that that drive. Um, he forces a fumble later. So, Fortson, I think, made a case probably for the practice squad more than anything else. But
1: I, I thought it was a good night for him. Good night for him. Hybrid, wide receiver, tight end. But you got to be able to block. Right. And uh, Nick Kaiser, to me, you know, he looked good on special teams. Made a tackle. He's got a fumble recovery in the special teams in the preseason and had a serviceable night. To me, right now, he could be your tight end number three.
0: Right, and, and don't forget, Deion Yelder's still dealing with that ankle injury. We talked to injury expert Aaron Borgman on the Arrowhead Pride tailgate, and there's really not complete clarity with Yelder. Yelden, you, you hope that he's uh, back sooner rather than later. The guy I want to talk about, too, Rashard Davis. I thought it's interesting that Dave Tobe, decided to say that this guy could be a starting punt returner on any team in the National
1: Football League when this is a a clear-cut dude that you'd want to put on your practice squad. Well, back at James Madison, his last year set an FCS record for punt returns for a touchdown. So it's not like he hasn't done it in his past that is a guy that that is an actual good returner and, and has shown it in college a little bit of background
0: in the pros undrafted free agent in 2017 was on the practice squad for the Philadelphia Eagles actually has a Super Bowl yeah, he got a ring because of it and he was your number one target for the Chiefs tonight nine targets it's seven receptions and 47 yards and really you see that ability and and again we're not we're not experts we're not scouts here but Jay you you've seen enough football to say okay this Davis kid may not be a contributor this year, but you keep him on the roster somehow, maybe he can make a name for himself next year.
1: Yeah, you see what he could do. You put him on the practice squad and see if he can acclimate himself. But being in Dave Tobes, did you hear the way that he was talking about the other day, Thomas? I mean, you just find a way to flash. I know. He loves him. What, pound the toughest pound-for-pound for That's pound the third player?
0: time he said that. In, in covering Toby's he's now said that three times. But, but he contradicted Anthony, himself, too. That's pound-for-pound about- pound, toughest player on the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if he's walking in on this 90-man roster still calling himself the pound-for-pound tough, pound, toughest player. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Thomas is now a certainty to make the team, uh, much to the chagrin of, of Arrowhead Pride contributor Matt Lane, who loves him. Uh, some Cody Thompson, but he's also a Byron Pringle fan, so I think Pringle makes this roster as well. We'll get into more of that 53-man roster. Again, Davis, I, I-, I see going on the uh, practice squad. Really, a touch to me is the only guy who truly made a case for the, the starting roster for the 53-man in this game.
1: Oh, I, I think he and Kaiser.
0: You think Kaiser as well for the-, for the third tight end?
1: I do. His blocking, what he does on special teams. Uh, I thought he made some nice plays, and again, they're really hurting at the tight end position, especially tight end number three. But Kaiser, to me, he showed enough flashes and he's been he's been somebody to talk about. Now he didn't have many catches in the uh the last two games against the 49ers, did play, had a tackle on the special teams. Three catches, 24 yards against the Bengals, and a five for thirty one and a touchdown tonight. Again, we're talking about tight end number three. Right. Tight end number three for this offense blocks. And, again, it's it's a tough
0: 53-man roster to predict right now, I think, because of some of these injuries. You have an injury at the tight end position, so it's really hard to predict uh, clearly behind Travis Kelsey and what we
1: believe now. I think you'd agree with me. Blake Bell is at number two. Blake Bell is your number two. Came in the battle. Yelder did not help himself by being hurt. Can't make the club in the tub. that definitely separated. Blake Bell, not only that, He's got what? He's got experience. Andy Reid loves experience. And Blake Bell certainly has it. And I thought when they signed him, you know, you're talking maybe a long shot when you bring it in the Belldozer. I also thought think there could be some special plays with the Belldozer, too. Okay. Would you Jay? light him? Oh, no, would you light him up on the ones? Let's get weird. Would you let the Beldozer listen, belldozer had twenty four touchdowns his first two years at Oklahoma Uh-oh. at the quarterback running the ball in at the one yard line? Would you maybe give the ball to Belldozer? I would, would you love let that. him take the hits or Mahomes?
0: I, I would love that. Uh I thought there were going to be some special plays built in for John Lovett, his seasons, unfortunately. Let's do it over. to the Belldozer, man. Uh, so maybe the Belldozer. Pete Dozer. The Belldozer uh, can take over some of those plays. Uh, again, uh, the Chiefs lose their final preseason game twenty seven to twenty. Luckily, these don't count. So it all resets next week. The, you're right listening to the Arrowhead Pride postgame with Jay Binkley. I'm Pete Sweeney. We'll be right back. Enthusiast I Stealing. Think.